Live from the Metal Mayhem Studios in Rochester, New York. We are gold. We are gold. And heard around the world by metalheads just like you. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. Heavy metal music. Your weekly dose of metal music. Interviews, album reviews, news, and more. Want to be part of the show? Send us a message through our website, MetalMayhemROC.com. Or hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Search Metal Mayhem ROC. It's getting nice and heavy. Now, welcome our hosts, John the Vernomatic Verno and Metal Forever Mark. It is getting nice and heavy. I actually ordered a little bit of extra heavy for tonight. Thank you for joining us. It's Thursday night. It's 8 p.m. It's time for Metal Mayhem ROC. I'm John the Vernomatic Verno, my partner in metal crime, Metal Forever Mark. He's on assignment tonight. He'll be with us next week, so I'm flying solo on this one. We have a cool show for you tonight. We're profiling the band Blood Feast, five-piece thrash band from New Jersey. 1987, they released their killer debut album called Kill for Pleasure. Did a few albums. Took a break in 91, reformed in 2007, and have been putting out material ever since. They're uh, in the studio now doing the follow-up to their 2017 album. I did an interview with the bass player, Tom Lorenzo. He'll give us an insight on the band, the history, and where they're going in 2020. Before we get to the Blood Feast interview, though, I came up with a cool idea. On our Metal Mayhem ROC Facebook page, we have become friends with some other people that are doing some great things for the love of metal. A couple internet radio shows and a really groundbreaking podcast that specializes in underground and unsigned local metal in Rochester, New York. So I had a chance to do some phone interviews with all three of these outfits. They're going to tell us about their product. They're going to share their insight on Blood Feast. So we got on the line old-time meddler Mark James of Fulton, New York. He hosts a internet heavy metal show, and he's here tonight to give us a little insight on that, that show, where you could find it, and his experience and in interpretation of Blood Feast. Mark, how are you? Welcome to Metal Mayhem ROC. Thank you very much, John. It's a pleasure to be on the show, and... Uh... Actually, it's quite an honor because uh, I'm an old listener of the Metal Mayhem show from back in the day. <laughs> ah, beautiful, beautiful. It's like uh, we're like brothers from different mothers. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, you got a, it's 2020 and you got a show on the internet. Why don't you uh, tell the listeners where they could find it, what it's all about, the history of you uh, broadcasting. For the fans of the uh, Metal from the Past, uh, I feature a show called Metal Mark's Vault. That's on Friday nights at 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern time. And that Metal Mark's Vault is basically, um, like I said, metal from, you know, from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. And you can catch it live on metalmark.myl2mr.com or metalmark.radiostream123.com. And then on Saturday nights, I do a show called Metal Mark's Audio Aggression. That is also at 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern Time. And you can also find that on metalmark.myl2mr.com or metalmark.radiostream123.com. Those are the links to listen to the live show. Uh, the podcasts are, are available in streaming format at mixcloud.com forward slash metalmark52. All right, and um, don't feel you have to write all this down, folks. We'll have all the links up on the MetalMayhemROC.com uh, episode blog page. Uh, let's see, Blood Feast. Uh, we're doing an, uh, running an interview we did with Tom Lorenzo, the uh, bass player of the band. Uh, what do you know about the band, your experience with them, and your your take on the band? Well, I, well, I, I started getting into Blood Feast back in the... Uh... Well, late 80s, early 90s, um, I do, I can tell you the albums I have by them in my collection. I have their debut, Kill for Pleasure, from 87. I also have the Face Fate EP from 87. Uh, the Chopping Block Blues release from 89. And um, recently, I, I got the 2018 EP, Chopped, Sliced, and Diced, with their current vocalist, Chris Natalini. 
I spoke to Adam, Adam Tranquilli, who's the founding member and guitarist, oh, geez, quite a while back on, in the MySpace days. I haven't talked to him in a long time. And, but, but Chris Nandolini, he and I recently became Facebook friends. And um, he's a cool dude, you know, a great guy, great sense of humor, fun, fun to chat with. Uh, <laughs> um, I, unfortunately, I never got to see the band perform live. So I can't really say much about the you know see, about seeing them live, but um, they're they're just a killer band. In fact, I, I'm planning on ordering some merchandise from them soon. What about the 2017 Future State of Wicked release? Are you familiar with that uh, one? That is my next purchase. <laughs> I, I'm kind of getting caught up on, on uh, their uh, discography. In fact, I'm I'm going to be ordering that next week, actually. Well, well, great. Uh, in the interview, uh, we do play some music and we feature a track from that release. So it'll get you up to speed. Anything else you want to contribute for your product before we get going? Well, I just want to mention that, you know, like I said, if, if you like the old classic rare obscure heavy metal from the past, check out Metal Mark's Vault. And for Metal Mark's Audio Aggression, um, it's basically a new music showcase. Um, I get promos sent to me every, practically almost every day. So you can see what's going to be coming out and, you know, what's out now and what's going to be coming out uh, in the weeks ahead. So uh, you definitely want to tune in and check it out. And I'm pretty much an old school metal dude. Uh, you won't hear anything modern or new metal or anything like that. So, <laughs> Okay, well, you know, we appreciate the classic metal, if you will. And, you know, we're all in this together. So, Mark, uh, have a great weekend. Uh, it's Friday as we tape this. So you will be doing the show tonight in a little under four hours. So we'll be listening, and we'll uh, keep it heavy. Thanks very much, Vernon Manic. I appreciate it very much. And thank you to everybody out there for the support. Support Metal Mayhem ROC and support all of our all the shows. All right, Mark. Have a good one, buddy. Thanks. WLFE-TV Radio. On the line now, I have Ken and Fee from the Grim Dystopian podcast. Hey guys, how are you? Great. How you doing, John? I'm doing well. A little chilly up here in uh, mid-September in Rochester, New York. It's good to have you on the show. We wanted to hype uh, the podcast, what you got going on, and get your take on the 80s thrash band Blood Feast. Well, thanks for uh, including us in, in your podcast. And uh, it's, it's a great uh, concept to include the locals and uh, a national band like Blood Feast. And we appreciate that. Oh, of course, of course. So um, you guys specialize in the the local scene. Tell me about that. So we love our local scene. For being a smaller city, we have a really great scene. We also go elsewhere. We talk to guests all over the world. We just talked to a record label in France last week. And, but we always like to tie our locals into the national or world metal scene. We love that no matter what's going on in the world all the conflicts and all the insanity um we can all relate to each other with with the metal underground music politics aside religion aside um we all kind of get along in in the the metal scene and have kind of a, a bond that way yeah i agree that's uh basically the premise behind what we're trying to do here is you know unite everyone you know, the Metal Mayhem ROC podcast, the Grim Dystopian podcast, and some of the other uh, outlets that we're featuring on this episode. We're all local, but yet, you know, we're out on the big worldwide web, and it's all in the name of metal. Hey, Fee, where can people find the Grim Dystopian podcast? Do you have any websites, Twitter, Instagram? Uh, Grim Dystopian, grimdystopian.com. Um, we used... We use a host, Buzzsprout, um, and it's a service that kind of pushes our uh, podcast out to all of the streaming services. So we can be found on Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, Podchaser, Deezer, all kinds of places. So. Yeah, all, all the all the I mean, major platforms. And your socials, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Yep, under Grim Dystopian, yep. How does the local music get onto your show? Do you seek it out? Do they seek you out? Combination of the two? Um, it's probably a combination. We've actually become really good friends with just about everyone in our local scene just from being out in shows. We feel very strongly that people's bands and music is 
their creative outlet and we don't want to just bestow it upon ourselves to play whatever we want. So we reach out and make sure that they're cool with it. Give them a chance to check us out and make sure that, you know, we're in alignment with each other. So we build a lot of relationships that way. So as new stuff comes out, you know, we'll play a song and then a band will be working on a new album and they'll come and say, hey, you played this. Here's a you know new release for you to play if you want. So, so tonight we're talking Blood Feast. Uh, tell me your experience and history of getting into the band and your take overall on the band. Um, Blood Feast, I first heard in 87 when Kill for Pleasure came out. And I loved the record. And then the, the band took a break. And then they reunited um, and had Chris Natalini on vocals, who's currently with them. Really love where he's taking the band. He's a great replacement. Not replacement, but he's doing his own thing with, with fronting the band. I I remember when we had Chris on the show, we played... Uh, my I think my favorite song off of Kill for Pleasure was Dark Side. And we played Chris's um version of it with him on vocals and off of the Chop Slice and Dice EP. Mm-hmm. And uh he did a great job on that. We you know, we love what they're doing now. We saw him at the Bug Jar a couple of years ago. They they were awesome. We were gonna see him at uh Baltimore Death Fest this year, but you know, that was postponed. I, it was canceled, but they're all calling it postponed until <laughs> yeah. next year. Hopefully, we can catch up to them next year at, at the Death Fest and, and check it out. That's cool. Um, it, during the interview, Tommy was talking about exactly, you know, they had the whole summer lined up, uh, some of these shows that they're and he mentioned that festival. So, Fee, <laughs> uh, I want to thank you for, uh, seems like Ken's the little, the, the sullen one of the couple, and you guys have a nice yin and a yang. It's a, it's a nice listen, and the, <laughs> the audio quality is pretty solid. So, uh, some of this, uh, it's, it's a great outlet as a local guy, as a fan, to be able to hear some of these local acts that normally... You know, outside of seeing them live, where are you going to hear it? So it's a credit to you two for uh, doing what you're doing. It doesn't go unnoticed, and that's part of why, you know, I wanted to reach out and, you know, help the brand get out to as many new listeners as possible. So props to you two. Thanks, John. Thank you. We appreciate it, and we love what you do too. And I am later today going to be listening to the Michael Sweet podcast that you posted. But we appreciate that. and. Uh, we'll be talking, but again, the, the podcast is grim dystopian, find it on buzzsprout and just go on Facebook, just search grim dystopia and you'll find all the socials and all the links. I wanted to say that I love the Jim Florentine episode that you did. And my ultimate all time favorite is the Ron Stein series. That guy's awesome. And you did a great job on it. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Ron tells a hell of a story. And um, uh, we appreciate that. And if you haven't, I'm sure you have. Uh, just reach out to Ron and send your kudos. Um, so that's great. All right, guys. Well, uh, enjoy your weekend, and we'll be listening. Thank you. You too. And uh, we appreciate you having us on. Okay. And uh, we wish you all of the success in the future. And and thanks again. Okay. Take care. Bye, guys. You too. Bye, John. Bye. Locked to Metal Mayhem ROC. We have on the phone local Rochester metalhead Michael Valkoff. He's the host of a 80s radio heavy metal show. Michael, welcome to Metal Mayhem ROC. Thank you, Vernomatic. That's how I that's how I remember you as the Vernomatic from the old Metal Mayhem days. Well, I'm still the Vernomatic, and then we're still in another form of Metal Mayhem. So True. So you got a uh, internet radio show working. Uh, tell us about it, and where could the listeners find it? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's not any set day of the week. I kind of do it at random, but you can always find when the newest show is uh, airing uh, by going onto Facebook and looking for the 80s Metal Obsessed um, online radio show group. And uh, not only will I always announce when an upcoming show is, but you can also see and download and listen to all past shows that I've done there. And you're concentrating, obviously, as the title says, 80s metal. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, the whole concept of the show is, is you're, 
kind of trapped in the 1980s in a continual time warp where nothing beyond the 90s ever happened. Thank God. I wish that was reality. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, you know, um, that's part of the reason uh, it fits in really nice with what we're doing tonight because we're running an interview with 80s Jersey veteran thrashers Blood Feast. When I found out that you're a fan of Blood Feast, I wanted to get you on here, get our, our listeners hyped and up to speed on what you're doing in terms of your radio show, but also have you share your insight on Blood Feast. So how'd you get into the band and what's your experience with Blood Feast? You know, I, I got into them through with the debut album, Kill for Pleasure. That came out back in 87. I don't remember what radio show I first heard it on. It was either Metallic Overdrive or Metal Mayhem. It was one or the other. But I know as soon as I heard it, it was like, Jesus, like this is heavy, brutal thrash metal. And I immediately went down. I, uh, I bought the album down at the House of Guitars, and I played the hell out of that album. I loved it. Mm -hmm. So I was hooked right away because I liked, I mean, I, I was 16 at the time, you know, and to me, the heaviest stuff out there, I was into Possessed and Slayer and Dark Angel and, you know, all the real heavy thrash stuff. And Blood Feast was kind of coming on to that second tier of bands. And they were just so unique in their sound. The guitar player I know, one of the guitarists used to use like a flanger or a phaser on some of his, either his leads and even some of the riffing style, which was new at the time. I hadn't heard a guitar player in a thrash band use a phaser or a flanger yet. And I mm -hmm. thought that was really different. And the vocalist, who was the original vocalist back then, uh, Gary Markovich, just had an insane scream. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for screamers, like Sheepdog from Razor. Had an amazing scream. Well, the guy from Blood Feast, right? Gary Markovich had a six scream. Mm -hmm. In the interview, uh, I had a chance to talk with Tom Lorenzo, and Tom came into the band after that era. But Tom even said that some of those bands in the mid to late 80s, like the Cannibal Corpse and Possessed, have attributed Blood Feast as an influence on their early sound. And even those bands went ahead, went on to bigger, more commercial success, if you will, than Blood Feast. They still gave Blood Feast their props. So, yeah, you're right. That Kill for Pleasure release, that was right up there. You know, I, in fact, I, I would even take it a step further. When, when uh, a year later, when that Face Fate EP came out, that one I remember hearing on Metallic Overdrive. Mm -hmm. And uh, the A side was the new song Face Fate, which in itself is just absolutely shredding. Not to mention the, the production values doubled in quality from the debut album. But they re-recorded that old song Bloodlust that was from their demo when the band was called Bloodlust. And there's a portion on that song toward the end where there's like 15 screams in a row that he does. In 1988, I'd never heard a vocalist like that. It was just, like, insane how evil and vicious they sounded. So that that EP is still one of my all-time favorite EPs ever released, too. That Just phenomenal. Now, did you uh, keep up with the band? Did you hear anything from the 2017 Future State of Wicked or, you know, the Chopping Block Blues in 89? Um, I did, yeah. When Chopping Block Blues came out, I was doing my first radio show back then. It was either when I was in high school from 88 to 89 doing the Metal Force, or it might have been by the time me and Ron, uh, Evil I Ron, were doing Sonic Insanity, and we debuted uh, the Chopping Block Blues on the air when it came out. Mm, and okay. I remember liking that. I remember playing the title track, and uh, the there's that Hitler Painted Roses song that was a cover. I can't remember who it's a cover of off the top of my head. Um, and then I know a couple years back when the Future State of Wicked came out, I was pretty psyched to see that the band was back. Uh, in fact, some of the members, some of the guys that are in the band now, um, one of them, CJ Scotia, he used to play in that band, and Saniac, who put out some great demos in the late 80s. Yeah, yeah. The, the Tommy Lorenzo, he mentioned all this. It's not like these guys hadn't played together before and whatnot, and... Yeah, there's also the drummer now, the Adam Kiefer, the drummer. He also played in an old 80s band called Kilogy, who put out a demo. 
Wow. That goes way back. And then he also was, uh, he, he drummed with MOD for a little while. And so it seems like all of these guys have been around a while, just not in Blood Feast. They came into Blood Feast, I'm assuming, because some of the other members couldn't rejoin, you know, when they were, when they came back together again. I know Adam Tranquilli, the guitar player, is the, uh, the main guy from yeah. back in the day. Yeah, so Michael Valkoff and his 80s metal obsessed radio show you can find it at the facebook group page 80s metal obsessed michael um you got your shit together it's a pleasure having you on here is there anything else you want to plug or say before we get out of here uh, long live metal mayhem rock there you go we'll talk to you soon michael <laughs> thank you oh you as well all right see ya <laughs> all right uh that's a cool dude uh i think he used to go by the name of uh merciful mike back in the day when he had his Sonic Insanity radio show back in the day. Michael Valkoth from the show 80s Metal Obsessed Radio. I want to thank my other two guests earlier, Ken and Fee from the Grim Dystopian podcast. And at the beginning, Mark James from Metal Mark's Vault. All three of these shows, you could find the locations on our show notes page at metalmayhemroc.com. Okay, well, let's get to the headliner. Blood Feast, the band's from Jersey, Thrash Kings, been around for about 30, 35 years. Like I said in the open, if you're not into them, here's a chance to get a crash course on the history of them. If you are a Blood Feast fan, then crack a beer, start the weekend off early. I'm the Vernomatic. This is Metal Mayhem ROC. And again, you can find all our socials just by searching Metal Mayhem ROC. Metal Forever Mark and I will be back next week with a docking interview. And until then, keep it heavy. Right now, Tom Lorenzo, Blood Feast. Hey, Tom, how are you, buddy? How you doing, John? Good uh, to hear you. Oh, we're doing fine. I want to thank you for, uh, as we tape this, take a little time on a uh, 8 p.m. on a Sunday night to catch up. Tell us about the band and where the band's going in 2020. Uh, we had some good stuff lined up for this year, but obviously, you know, we had a little problem. <laughs> so, but, um. We had four shows coming up this year, and it was good because we kind of had the inertia from uh, our last show in 2019, which was a show in Germany, Hamburg, Germany, which was the the True Thrash Fest West, which was in Hamburg, Germany, as opposed to the original True Thrash Fest, which is in Osaka, Japan. And a friend of mine, if I can mention her name, Steffi Kroger, she borrowed the name from Mickey or Mikatoshi Matsuo, who runs the festival in Japan. We played in 2018 in Japan with the same amount of, with the same bands. We had the Hyrax and At War, and there was a bunch of, you know, all the bands on an R level kind of thing. Uh, who else? A Razor played. Um, so bands in our level of like the underground kind of thing. Mm -hmm. She had borrowed the name because she was at the festival in 2018. We played the, we played the Japanese one in 2018. We played the German one in 2019, which is November 2019. So that was the last show of 2019, and we had a nice push. Everything was going great. The festival went great. And it was basically the same band that had played the Japanese show, played the, the Germany show. So we had a good kind of wave going, and everything was rocking. And then we had these really good shows set up for them. We only had four shows for 2020, but of course, they sidetracked by the pandemic so you know we're just kind of running in place here we're working on recording a, a new album so it would be the third official blood feast album in 30 something years but we're just kind of we and we just got back to it. we just got back to rehearsals uh, about a month ago maybe a little a little more than a month ago. that's a great chance for us to um rewind and let's get a quick history of blood feast because it's sort of a a band of two eras i'd like to say it's a band of two timelines as well because because adam first of all adam tranquilly is the original guitar player and started the band he wrote a lot of the music for the the, the album for the for the first album and succeeding albums after that but the thing was i'd say the two different timelines because they had the EP, which was called Face Fate, which had three songs off the first album kind of redone, not re-recorded, but just kind of remastered. And then a new song, Face Fate. And that's a lot of bands did that back in the 80s. And then the second official album, which was 
Chopping Block Blues. But Adam wasn't on that album. He didn't play on that album. He wrote songs on that album. We don't consider that album part of our timeline. Sounds kind of, you know, silly in a way, but he had the original recordings of that album on cassette that he played on, which is a little bit different. The song list is a little different and that kind of thing. So we call that, we got that uh, printed by a German record company called Hellion Records. And we had it, we had it done into vinyl and CD, and, and we called it the offerings before the chopping block. So we kind of count that album as like the second official Blood Feast album for this, not this, well, this lineup, I say, but more of this timeline, because there's no original guys in the band from the 80s except Adam. And, so, and Adam's and, still in the band. So, you know, Adam is the, you know, he's the, he's the boss, he's yeah. the captain. He's, you know, he started the band and he's still at the helm, but. The current lineup, which is Adam Tranquilly guitars, and he's the main songwriter. C.J. Stosha is the second guitar player. Well, you know, me playing bass. Uh, Adam Kiefer on drums, who me and Adam had played with in a previous band yeah. before Bud Fuse reformed in 2010. And, of course, Chris Natalini, who is now the current singer since 2010. So. Uh, so it was the three of us picked up from where we got rid of Kevin and the other guitar player, John. So that was back in the early 2000s. So this is the lineup since 20, um, 2016, I think now. And like I said, Adam Adam Kiefer now is playing drums. He should have been in the band the whole time. but but uh, So we got that back together. So the solid lineup is the names I just mentioned. So sorry if I confused the one. I made it sound a little dizzy. So. <laughs> yeah, so in a nutshell. Um... Yeah, in a nutshell, this is the solid lineup. Nothing's changing. Nobody's going anywhere. So this is, this is Blood Feast moving on into the future. So let's go back and to I, the beginning. The first yeah. full length was uh, Kill for Pleasure, and it was 19, Kill for pleasure. 1987. Yeah. 87, which I was obviously not in the band at that point. But I had seen them back in the day. I'd seen Blood Feast back in 86, like in Lamore in Brooklyn, if you remember that club. So I, I remember yeah. it. I've never been yeah. there. but um, yeah, well, you know, Since I live in Staten Island, I'm the, uh, uh, you know, the, the, that was my home, my, my metal home for most of the 80s until I moved to L.A. back in 88. Yeah, we have up here in Rochester. Yeah. Um, it's nothing like that, but we have the Penny no, Arcade. Yeah. And yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Well, everybody had their everybody had their metal club back in the eighties, which is cool, you know. Yeah, all That's how big it was, you know. <laughs> well, all summer uh, we've been celebrating the history of Rochester metal. I don't know how familiar you are with it, but the roots run um, deep. That's part of the reason why on the last episode we had Carl Kennedy on the show. One across from upstate, yeah. Right. Yeah, well, one to promote the new uh, Kennedy Band project, but two, great stuff. Yeah, yeah, but two, he, uh, you know, a couple of those albums they did up here in Rochester, and the whole thing with the Metallica guys coming up here and doing Kill 'Em All, and the 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 pipeline with Johnny Z and mm-hmm. you, you know Megaforce up here, and so you know Rochester was a big hotbed, and they're oh, absolutely, yeah. I, I recognize that back in the day. Hell yeah, I mean, actually, I. Had- Saw I've seen Metallica before the first album. I saw them open for Venom back in the '82, right before they went to Rochester to record the album. And I remember that because at yeah. that point, I, you know, so I remember Rochester being a very important city for the New York State metal thing. And absolutely. we had a chance to really see a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah, a lot absolutely. of those tours, you know. So uh, this all started, and by no means am I comparing the Penny Arcade to Lemoore's because that's world famous. But, yeah. you know. But, but, no, I knew I knew the name. I remember hearing the name. And, I mean, you guys are the third largest city in the state, so it's not <laughs> like, you know, you know, it's not like yeah. you guys are, a, you know, a little town or a little nah, bird. No, so, yeah, you know, fucking kill but, it up uh, here. Yeah, but you guys, you know, you guys got some reputation, absolutely. Yes, of course. So, yeah. 1987, the band, um, their first debut, the debut, Kill for Pleasure. Yeah, um, on the new Renaissance label. This is the first song off of the first album. I guess in, in a way, and I'm doing the air quotes, it's kind of a greatest hits or a, you know, uh, like a, you know, a single from, you know, as, as far as a underground fresh band can have a single, it's the song's called Menacing Thunder. It's the first out, first song on the first album. So uh, that kind of introduces you to the whole Blood Feast sound. So I figured, well, actually I asked Adam what I should, you know, suggest uh, what songs we should give you. And of course he said, Give him Menacing Thunder. You know, I was thinking Bloodlust, but Menacing Thunder is definitely what 
shows you what Blood Feast is all about off the first record. All right, well, uh, let's take a listen to it. Blood Feast. Thunder, Blood Feast, from the 1987 release, Kill for Pleasure. Uh, it, it kills. <laughs> Definitely kills. My impression of it has a little bit of Exodus, a little bit of Slayer, Show No Mercy. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's just, it's a staple of the, t- it's staple of the time. But um, Oh, absolutely, yeah. So you weren't in the band when that was down. Do you remember? Uh, um, I no, I wasn't in the band. And I got to be honest with you. I mean, I had seen them live. I told you like that. I had seen them live. because They opened for Possessed back in the 86 when I saw them. So I was there to see Possessed. And I was like, oh, yeah, these guys, Blood Feast. I heard about them. But the thing was now, at that point, 87, all the big four, I guess, brass bands have like, you know, kind of a, 
you know, cemented their legacies at that point. Slayer had done Rain and Blood, which was like the greatest thrash album ever, I would say, in my opinion. You know, I mean, and it was very like slick recording things. So, you know, this is now kind of the transition from, you know, from the thrash, the original thrash bands to like the death metal kind of thing, you know? So even yeah. Blood Beast is kind of, kind of blamed even by bands like Obituary and Cannibal Corpse who were fans of Blood Beast. And those guys actually got their ideas for what they did, which they were the first like early death metal bands. I don't want to forget Possessed because they were definitely that type of band too. They were more of a, you know, death metal band kind of, well, that was the transition from the thrash thing to the death metal thing. Blood Feast kind of had a hand in that, even though the band didn't last that much longer after, you know, basically the band had broken up by 89. You know, and like I said, Adam had left, so he didn't even play on the official release of the second full-length album. <laughs> even though he had written a lot of songs on there. Yeah. But that's like, hey, that's where the two, the two timeline thing comes in. I don't mean to sound so, you know, purist or, you know, like... Yeah, no, or, you know, it's... Confusing, but... You know, uh, you know, we have our identities, you know, and like I said, none of the original guys are, you know, we, like I said, Kevin was the original guy when we, you know, reformed the band in 2010, but then, you know, about four years in, you know, we just had to move on. That was the thing. So let me ask you but, something. You, you just mentioned that the band by 89 had stopped being a unit. Did the, did the 90s, that era, the grunge, have anything to do with anything? You know, I don't, you know, you know, it's now you just kind of, a, my opinion on it, it, the thing is, it's kind of, you know, obviously I wasn't in the band at the time, yeah. but the thing was, you know, Adam had left, and Adam was basically the driving force in the band. Not that he wrote, you know, because Mike Basden, the other guitar player, uh, originally guitar player, he had written a couple of really good songs too. I think it was just after he left, the band just kind of like uh, folded up and just kind of, you know, and they they just, and I don't think that there was a big cohesive thing to the band as far as the members, because I don't want to get into any of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. or, but I just don't think it was a tight band in the comradeship of it all. No offense to nobody, just kind of, you yeah. know, that's the kind of thing. You know, like I said, that's for another day. It was, another yeah, stuff. it wasn't working. But, but yeah, but you know, like I said, after Adam left, I think the band kind of lost its driving force. 1987, you said there was a, the EP, the Face Fate yeah. EP. What, yes. what was that all about? All right, well, I mean, you know, every band back then, especially fresh bands, had maybe like put out a first album and then they put an EP out. So a short, you know, maybe three or four song, you know, full, full size LP, but an EP, you know, like a, a small album, you know, and what Blood Feast did was they put out, uh, I think it was three. I keep forgetting if it's three or four original songs off the first record, they just kind of remastered them. And Face Fate was the new song. And that opened the album up. So it was Face Fate. And then I think, Bloodlust, R.I.P., and I think it was Hunted, Stalked, and Slain, which was off the first album. So they, like, retooled those or remastered yeah. them or whatever. And that kind of went out as its own piece of product because when we have that for sale, because we have a label in Germany that does a, a reprint for us mm -hmm. of the old stuff, but um, that sells very well. And there's also, oh, no, actually, the label, they include the EP on the CD of the original first album and the EP together on one CD. But, and when we could sell it as a separate product, which we have, it sells very well because the production's a little bit better on the songs, you know, because, you know, the first album is kind of rough. It's a rough production on that, but, but, um, that's what makes it so classic. That's what makes it so blood beast. Huh? You know, it's, it's kind of, yeah, you know, blood beast had a like, you know, kind of rough around the edges, but I think that's what people liked about the band. Well, you know, a lot of, yeah, a lot of debuts yeah, are. Yeah, yeah a lot of the fresh bands at that era now, you know, came in and were doing a little more production on the albums, making them a little slicker. So, you know, when Blood Feast put out their stuff, it was raw. It was, uh, had a, you know, a, a, a dangerous sound. It kind of brought you back to the original thing. And, and, and like I said, I, they kind of had a little bit of hand in bringing up the death metal thing. Like I said, those bands will admit that Blood Feast was an influence. Obituary, you know, Cannibal Corpse. They look at Blood Feast as an influence. 1987.
A lot of people in the audience look pissed. Face fate, EP. The title track. Screw you guys! from blood feast and from the 1987 ep face fate that's the title track uh that's that's killer shit man that's yeah uh, actually you know that's one of my favorite songs to play live i love it it's such a great you know it's such a monster it's so in your face kind of you know you know i have a good time with it so uh we're playing it live and we usually include it in the set usually that and medicine thunder are always in the set so uh, uh, you know just keep the uh the old stuff old school stuff you know of course gotta keep it in the set so but, uh, the the 80s and the 90s come in the band is for all intents purposes on hiatus until uh 2012 said well no i mean the band had broken up pretty much after the the chopping block blues record and i don't know what went on there because i wasn't in the band obviously yeah. but um they did the march metal meltdown which i attended actually back in 1999 at Bassbury Park New Jersey and they played that festival. And it was all the original guys. And I guess somebody got them back together and, you know, begged them to do it because, you know, it was it was a cool thing to do. And I was at that festival, like I said. And I didn't get to see them because there was, like, multiple stages. And I was kind of, you know, I had a back pass. And I was hanging out with this guy and hanging out with that guy. And, you know, like I said, I didn't know Adam personally back in there. But the last, the last official reunion of the original lineup was 1999 and from adam told me they played everybody walked away from each other it wasn't even like they have a good life or take care see you later and then 
They reformed in 2007. I wasn't in that reformation, but Kevin and and Adam, because I was playing with another band with Adam, and Adam, our drummer, Keith. So Adam Tranquilli and and Kevin Kuzma did, uh, I think, one or two shows in, like, 2007. And that happened, and it went away. And then we got hooked up. Well, he got hooked up with, we were trying to get our band with that and the three piece that we were playing together uh, into a festival called the Headbangers Open Air, which was in Eastern Germany, yep. uh, outside Hamburg. And um, uh, turns out, uh, the guys are like, mm, you know, we don't know you guys. And they pick a certain type of band, you know, this Headbangers Open Air, it's a small festival, 25, 2,800 people. And they said, well, we'll take Blood Feast. So Adam, once again, reformed Blood Feast with Kevin and brought me in as the bass player for that one. So that was 2010. And then um, uh, we had Chris come in. There was another singer. He played one show with that lineup. He left. Well, we got rid of him. And Chris Madalini came in. And that was the lineup until about 2014. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the uh, Off With Their Heads uh, <clears throat> So that was like really the first single or the first new music of the mid. That was, yes, we were playing with that song when Kevin was still in the band and John was still in the band. Uh, John, I forget John's last name. Oh, Blashars. Yeah. So we were playing with that song and basically Adam's like, well, I want to write new music. And I was like, okay, bro, let's write music. Chris is like, yes, let's write new music. The other two guys didn't seem much on board. And we were working on that one song when Kevin and John was still in the band, but um, they weren't cooperating. And and it was thing, and then Kevin had moved away to Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. So he was only, he only wanted to do what I would call make us a Vegas act, which is, We'll just play the old stuff. We'll get some festivals, you know, we'll play some festivals, do that kind of stuff and just do the old songs. And Adam's like, no, I want to write a new record and, you know, bring Blood Feast into the future and, you know, not not rely on, you know, one and a half albums worth of stuff. Well, two albums, but you know. Yeah. And turns out that we just, we, well, the guy, John, he was like, John, we're writing new music. Come on down. Wouldn't even answer our phone calls. So okay, we're done with him. So it was just me and Adam working on the music. Chris is still in the band, but you know Chris lives in Philadelphia, so you know he can't come up every week. Obviously, we're working on new music, and then um, finally we let Kevin go too because Kevin wasn't interested in it as well. So we kind of just worked on new music. For, it wasn't that long. In comes CJ Stosha. We saw him at some function we were at one night. He's like, "Hey, I heard you guys need a new guitar player." We're like, yeah. And he's like, I like to play guitar. And I'm like, okay. So we bring him in. And then he brings in Joe Ball as our drummer. And that was the lineup. And that's the lineup that made the album Future State of Wicked, which was released in 2017. And yes, uh, Off With Our Heads was one of the songs on that record. But I picked the first song because it kind of, it's short, it's to the point, and it lets you know what Blood Feast was about in 2017 and moving forward, obviously, into the future. Right. So, uh, okay. yeah, but Off With Their Heads, I guess, was kind of our hit single for that album. But then this is the lineup that, you know, I'm in. So I like that. I like that point because I'm on the record. <laughs> so, but All right. um, I All like right. INRI. It's a short, quick song. It punches you in your gut and lets you know what we're doing. Let's take a you listen know? to it. Yeah, cool. Excellent. This couldn't have come at a better time. The album, Future State of Wicked. Track, I-N-R-I. You have no choice.
This edition of Metal Mayhem ROC is brought to you by Mr. V's Street Style Vending and Special Events Catering. Visit our lunch cart in the College Town District at Strong Memorial Hospital or hit up the Late Night Weekend location at the corner of Monroe Avenue in South Goodman. Look us up at mrvsvending.com for catering, pricing, and availability. That's Mr. V's Street Style Vending and Special Events Catering. Now, back to Metal Mayhem ROC. Can I say contributing writer for a uh, new Blood Feast material? Uh, you know what? Um, the, the new album, I actually grabbed one song and I threw some lyrics on it. Yeah, so uh, I actually uh, I finally got to do some kind of a, uh, a contribution to that. Yeah, I said, give me that song that's mine. So, oh, yeah, oh, one, one song I do the full lyrics for. And I'm very proud of it because uh, it just kind of came out of me, which I was very happy. I'm not much of a songwriter, but uh, once in a while I'll come up with a riff here and there or, you know, or a you know, lyric or two. So, but, uh, but, um, yeah, yeah. For the new album. Yeah. I got something going on. <laughs> uh, let, let me ask you something. Uh, where could, um, where can the listeners find, are you guys all on the platforms, Amazon, iTunes? Um, we're, we're on Facebook, obviously. Yeah. I think, uh, Amazon, Spotify, uh, YouTube, you, you just put in blood feast. Usually the 1963 movie comes up, but if you put blood feast band, um, all sorts of stuff will pop up for us. Yeah. Uh, you guys doing any social media, Twitter? Oh no, we have a, we have a Facebook page. It's uh, Blood Feast Legions worldwide. That's the uh, there's a there's a Blood Feast official, but that's Kevin, the original drummer's page, and um, we don't like you said we're not connected to that. You know, it's like it's yeah. you know it's it's not that things got ugly. It was just kind of like you know when people don't want to move forward, you just leave them where they were. You know, so, you know, we got a new page set up. Well, it's been on. We've had it for about oh, at least five years now. But uh, Blood Feast Legions Worldwide, that's our Facebook page. We have a Blood Feast Legions, uh, you know, our website. We can buy our merch and stuff like that. Yeah. And, well, um, yeah. Nothing on Twitter. Uh, we have an Instagram page, too, which is also Blood Feast Legions. Well, but, we, um, on our Metal Mayhem ROC, every episode we uh, have show notes and a blog, and we'll have all these links posted on there. Yeah, and yeah, the and the YouTube yeah. links for all the music that we've played tonight. So awesome, awesome. Yeah, they, they'll be able to yeah. get in touch with you. Yeah, these uh, Metal Mayhem ROC fans will be uh, bugging you left and right. But yeah, um, I would love it. I love it. Well, the thing is, is for the for the future state of Wicked, if you go to the Hell's Headbangers YouTube, because that's our label. Yep. And um, they have like a little video thing going on as the album streams. You can listen to the whole album in its entirety. They have like pictures of the, the CDs and the, the vinyl and stuff. So that's good. If you go to the Health Headbangers on the YouTube thing. Well, that's cool. Oh, that's cool. But, yeah, um, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah. That makes turn- it official. <laughs> we're, uh, we got a couple things we want to uh, close the show with. Uh, a couple of cool segments we do on here. And one of them's this. Many have tried. Most have failed. Only a few survived. This is the Mount Rushmore of metal. I like that. So what we do whenever we have guests or Mark and I are doing shows solo when we don't have any guests, we like to do a fun thing called the Mount Rushmore of something or another. So uh, I sent Tom a text and asked him to put together his Mount Rushmore of top four concerts that he's been to. And the dude's probably been to at least four digit concerts. So uh, (laughs) what do you got for me, buddy? As far as me attending concerts as a concert going, you say? Or, yeah, or yeah just, you know, a, everyone has their uh, vintage shows, you know. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been going to shows since I was 15 years old. So, I mean, like, my first concert ever was Judas Priest on the um, Point of Entry Tour, 1981. That stands out because it was my first real concert. Iron and, Maiden? Uh, was, Iron Maiden uh, open? No, no. See, that was, it was an outdoor show on the Dr. Pepper Music Festival. And that was um, on the west side of Manhattan, right near the Intrepid, right near the uh, the, the big uh, uh, carrier, the, 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 the aircraft carrier. Who else and, was on? Um, the, who else was on the bill? Nobody. It was just them, and that was my first real show. And I was young; I was fifteen, and my best friend from school, his older brother, took us. So it was like a big deal for me. And we, and uh, you know, Judas Priest being my first concert because that was a Judas Priest freak when I was like fourteen, fifteen years old, obviously. And um, so that stands out because it was my very first real show. Yeah. So. And, you know, I was just talking to somebody about this the other day, too. I mean, there's so many shows because oh. I work in the industry. I do merchandising and all that stuff. But but um, 
when Iron Maiden played their first headlining show in the United States at the Palladium <sighs> on 14th Street in New York City with the Rods opening, yeah. Rochester's finest. <laughs> well, wasn't, and, uh, wasn't that Palladium it, show on the King Biscuit Flower Hour? Or um... You know what? I don't know. I think I might have heard that. Yeah. But I was at the show. It was the show where they threw the fireworks on stage. One of the stagehands uh. got injured. And, and it was insane because they were letting – and that was what? 1982. I don't 16. think I was quite 17 yet. I maybe had just turned 17. Oh, it was in June. Nope. I was still 16. And I was in the, the balcony. And I remember they opened up with murders in the room walk. So, you know, that freaked me out. So that was the thing for me. And like Steve Harris is, you know, my, you know, obviously one of my hugest influences as a player. And um, I remember that the place was packed because they were letting people in through the side door for $5 a head. You know, the the people that worked at the, the, you know, of course, you know, back in the 80s, nobody gave a shit about safety. Oh, excuse my language. Yeah, no, it's true. It's true. But yeah, but the thing was, that was one that stood out in my brain because, you know, like I had just started playing bass at that point. So it was a big deal for me to see Iron Maiden live, obviously. So, so there's two of them. Um, You know, this sounds, this sounds kind of weird, but. Like I said, of all the shows I've seen over the years and, you know, and all the big metal stuff and all this stuff. But um, I was living in Los Angeles in 1988 to 1990, and the Rolling Stones were on their Steel Wheels tour. Steel, they had just come yeah. back. If you remember, they were yep. out for a while, and they had just came back. And, you know, that stage set was so huge, it had to have two of them. They put one in one city, one in the next yeah, city, that yeah. kind of thing. And, you know, at that point, I'm 24 years old. I'm like, my and the friend, my friend's brother, who brought us to see Judas Priest, he was living in LA at the time too. Hey, dude, I got tickets for the Stones. I'm like, yeah, all right, you know, I'm a total metal guy at this point. I'm living in Los Angeles, blah blah blah. And all of a sudden, he's like, dude, we're going to see the Stones. I said, let's go, bro. You know, yeah. This is at the LA Memorial Coliseum. That yeah. place holds like a hundred thousand people. And I'm dead center in the the um, orchestra, about I don't know, thirty thirty rows back, which is perfect because it was such a huge stage that you could see everything perfectly. That is like one of the greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And you would think me being a you know underground metal uh, guy, but the stones, you couldn't beat those guys with a stick. They were amazing. It was funny because I'm going, Yeah, yeah, I'll go. I'll give the old guys a chance, <laughs> you know. At that point they're in their mid forties, you know. I know so, old guys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? And I, I've actually worked with stones. They do their merchandise. I did their merchandise back on the fiftieth anniversary tour, you know? Yeah. And you know, on local shows, but still, you know, but the thing was that was one of the biggest shows that like really left a mark on me. This, 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 it's like as, as just as a production. And of course, you know, who doesn't know the Stones songs? Most of them, you know, and they played everything you would want to hear by them yeah. on that show. So that was a big one for me, surprisingly, you know. Um, let me think. I'm trying to for number four. Like I said, I've seen so many I, great shows. I, I know what you mean, buddy. It's just, you know, yeah. it's, uh, you know. I'll, I'll tell you, one that stands out for me was when I was living in Los Angeles. I'm a huge Voivod fan. Well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I, unfortunately, I, you know, tried to keep up with them on the later recordings. And, you know, I've seen them recently, and they, they sound great, you know. But um, on the uh, Dimension Hat Trust tour, which was in 1988, I believe, they played a little place in California. Well, Long Beach, California, which is, like, down the road from L.A. Mm-hmm. It's still L.A. County, actually. And they played – it's a decent-sized club. It was kind of like a Lamore-type, you know, place. And that was probably one of the greatest club shows I've ever seen too, was Voivod. Cause I love that record. And those guys were like at the height of their popularity as far as what they did, you know, and at that point, cause you know, they had gone on, you know, a year later they get to go on MTV and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I would say that was one that sticks out. But like I said, bro, so many shows, so many great moments, but yeah, I'm with you. Just, that I'm, come up, that come floating up to the top for me. So, <laughs> oh no, I, I, I'm yeah. with you. You know the yeah. Um, yeah. If we could go back in time, I oh, gosh, uh, the first time yeah. I saw a Priest was the Priest Maiden Screaming for Vengeance number. I of the Beast. missed. Oh no, I saw that. I saw that at the Garden. Yeah, 1983, yeah. I believe 84, right? Something around there. Yeah. Uh, well, but, uh, uh, October, October 82. Yeah. 82. Excuse yeah. me. You're right. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, I haven't met my, my top bands are all, you know, yeah. we could go oh, on yeah, for absolutely. hours. Yeah. And I, yeah. 
haven't missed Maiden since '82, Priest, uh, you know, Metallica, all the all the guys, you know. Yeah, um, I still go to show. Well, obviously. yeah, of course we all do. Oh, fucking love it. Yeah, I follow you yeah. on Facebook and um, I see what you're doing down there. And I got oh, yeah, I yeah, got to compliment yeah. you, man. Um, <laughs> even though you know you, you said you didn't write much for the the future state and I don't know how much you're writing you personally contributing to the new one that you're in the studio. Uh, yeah. It just I, I I see your attitude and I see your vibe coming through. And mm-hmm. you know Thanks. Thank that, you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, that that comes through. Yeah. That that radiates. And I'm gonna share a quick story. Uh Tom and I, believe it or not, just became friends on Facebook through the metal community. And mm. you know, I'd follow him, see his posts and shit. And one night I'm uh, it's a Saturday night. I'm up here in Rochester and I'm just, you know, I've had a long ass week. It's like nine o'clock on a Saturday. I sit down, I'm eating a sandwich and I turn on Facebook and I see Tommy posts. We're in Rochester, New York tonight at the bug jar. (laughs) That was a great show. I love that show. It was great. We had a great time. Yeah. I proved to myself that, you know, I'm not fucking too old. So I, (laughs) I fucking got (laughs) up. I went down there. I'm like, man, my boy's out here up in Rochester fucking jamming it. So I went down to the bug jar Caught the guy set, you know, said hello and, um, you know, bought some merch and supported. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to get him up on the show, because that's, thank you for having me, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, Very cool. Thank you're you. welcome, man. You're welcome. Yeah. But um, anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Um, no, I just want to say thank you so much for having us on. And, you know, like I said, the guys always throw me on to do the interviews because I can talk. You know, I just, you know, I'm the only New Yorker in the band. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. so I, I, got the, I got the big mouth and I can just keep going. Sometimes well, ad nauseum, but, you know, I can do it. So That's great. So, but we're <laughs> going to keep, uh, yeah. keep an eye out. Uh, when can, the, when do you think the new material is going to be out? Uh, any well, idea? We've already gone through two two sessions of full recordings on the album, except for me, I did like four songs bass work on the second run. The first run, it's all about the drummer because he's always changing his mind and he's, oh, dude, I wish I did this and I wish I did that. And now the thing is, is that we've got the time to do that. So we're going to go into a third phase. We're going to do, and actually we took one song out of the original mind that we had written for this record and we're gonna put it away because it's a little different. And Adam, I, you know, Adam even said, "I said Adam, I think that song kind of put it on the shelf." And I go, "You know what? It's a it's a weird song. It's a good song, but it's kind of you know didn't fit in with the other ones. I do not not that so much, but it was just kind of like you just wanted to kind of shelf it and save it for later." And he had a song he had written initially back like right after he left Bloodfeast back in like '89, and um. Uh, we're working on that one, and that's going to go into the nine songs. So the third the third recording of these nine songs is going to include uh, a one that was an old one, but it's a new one to this group of songs. So, But um, what we're doing basically is just work. we're working on the recording and trying to get the best record we can because now it's kind of at this point it's, we have this time to do this stuff, and and like I said, uh, CJ wrote two new ones. And you could tell they're a little different from what Adam writes. And like I said, I was, you know, I said, give me that song. That's mine. I'm going to put lyrics on it. So that kind of thing. So we all kind of got in uh, Chris has added some of his own stuff, you know, lyrics-wise. And um, the thing is, is that we haven't even gotten a title for the record. Um, even some of the songs don't have um, exact titles for the songs. We're still in a kind of weird kind of limbo phase that we're, we're moving forward, but we're still kind of still feeling ourselves out on how the songs are going to come out and how they're going to be lyric, you know, how, how the lyrics are going to go with them. And, and like I said, we have no title for the album whatsoever. Right. Nothing. Well, it's you not know, like I've thrown stuff at them, but nothing's sticking on the wall right now. So All it's right. just, we're doing that. It's still, we're still in that kind of, you know, movement phase of getting the songs together. Cause this is, I think, one of the greatest bunch of songs that Adam and CJ have written as far as the riffs. It's great. It's old school. It's got a weird new kind of feel to it. It's kind of fresh, but still familiar. So, well, let the it, let the let the cake bake, and when exactly. it's when it's yeah, ready, we'll, uh, yep. <laughs> we'll, we'll be up here and uh, 
hopefully we could get you up to Rochester and we'll. Oh, we love, we love, like I said, I, I love that gig. That's a great little place to bug jar. I really like that place a lot. Well, I we'll get you a bigger place. Uh, we got, yeah. uh, we got connections up here, but. Uh, oh, okay. We'll do that. Cool. So. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, Tommy, uh, stay safe. Uh, keep it heavy and uh, we'll yes. talk to you soon. Thank you, John. Thank you so much, man. You keep thrashing, all right? All right, buddy. Appreciate it. Okay, pal. Thank you. Bye. Metal for Life. Thanks for listening to Metal Mayhem ROC. Check out our websites at MetalMayhemROC.com and MetalForever.com for information on upcoming concerts, podcasts, archives, and all sorts of info. Please like, follow, and share with everyone, even your non-metal friends. Catch us next time on WLFE DB Radio. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.